is the Two Spies Podcast, a part of the Numa Life family. Get ready to dig deeper in the Bible, have your worldviews challenged, and gain some different perspectives. Now, the conversation begins with your two spies, David and Mark. So we ended on uh, resurrection, kind of saying uh, the really the point was that Mary went and saw and heard the angel, and then went to tell the other disciples. John gives it in a different order, but as far as that goes, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all give kind of the same order. John gives the same details in a different order, right? But for the most part, all the same order. So, what I had wanted to go to next was uh, kind of looking at the different resurrections because there are different ones to consider in the Bible. Okay. Well, I was just gonna uh, let me let me start this uh, John twenty verses thirty uh, thirty through thirty one. Just kind of a, pref- a preface of what we're talking about. And um, John says, "Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, um, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name." So John's emphasis of writing this gospel um, was really not just an emotional attachment to a theory or um, you know, know how, emotional attachment to a friend he knew right Jesus but, being a friend then dying but right but proving that he is the Christ he's God and through him comes life so John says there's plenty of other things I couldn't written about but here's the gist of it yeah. just so you understand that this isn't an or, uh, ordinary human person or human being that this is the Christ God so yeah. I just kind of wanted to preface that with uh, what you can go into alright so uh, this is kind of a strange one is Matthew and the other ones don't have it so I call it the the unsung resurrection all these are different resurrections this is the unsung resurrection uh, and just so you know why I'm calling it such next one is the unjust resurrection next one is the undeath resurrection so in the unsung resurrection you got Matthew 27 this is uh, 51 through 53 and, and we're kind of revisiting the curtain and behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs were also open, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs, after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So, no other gospel talks about this earthquake or this event at all. Uh, I did kind of poke around and, and found this it's kind of cryptic words that I guess we take in other ways usually out of John 5 so I didn't mean to make you turn to Matthew 27 then jump back well I John no 5. that was fine I, I was, I was going to ask you a question about that but you go on no go ahead and say the question okay um, I'm trying that. to find um, the verse where it talks about the earthquake uh, 2751 yeah so when it talks about the earthquake and then it said, and then it talks about the angel coming down from heaven, and he appeared like lightning, and his hair was it his hair or clothes like white as snow? Um, Let me get over there. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. That you know that detail is not in that part. Oh, I'm Let's sorry. See. I was looking at twenty eight. I'm sorry, twenty eight verse two. Twenty eight two. 
Yep. Okay. Well, there's the same earthquake. Uh, yeah. Maybe it's a different earthquake. We should say that because I think this is a different earthquake. Okay. Well. Uh, yeah, that might be something. I hadn't even considered that. But this, okay, the one I'm looking at then is in 2751 through 53 is a different earthquake where the rocks were split and tombs were opened. This is at the moment of gotcha. death. Okay. So after his burial, the guard at the tomb... And then the resurrection, starting chapter 28 there, then you have the angel descending and there being a different earthquake. Well, I was going to ask you, because there's two different contexts, I think, in this, and what you just said kind of made me think of the other context. So there's a context that, that a physical earthquake took place and the earth shook and these the, the graves opened, these bodies started coming out. Yeah. Um, but also in this smaller context in 28, one talks about the second earthquake that I was mentioning, but then it describes the angel. Uh, his appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow, verse 28, verse 3. Mm-hmm. Um, since it's describing him, uh, the angel, in, in terms that we understand in like a weathery um, term, do you think this? Do you think this earthquake, or even the earthquake prior, is uh, like a like a symbolic like? You know, the tomb moved and it felt like an earthquake, or do you believe uh, it's not a big deal? What regardless, literal but, or figurative? Yeah. Uh, usually, and I'll say this very broadly. Usually, I take scripture to be literal and figurative. And I don't see any reason that conflicts. Yeah, I don't either. I just yeah, yeah. But I do think uh, the rock splitting open at the the earthquake at his death is mm-hmm. literal. I do think the earthquake that shakes when the angel comes down is literal. Right. I just don't. I don't see any reason for it not to be. Yeah. Um, describing the angel, though, versus describing an earthquake, we can look and go outside. If if the ground started shaking right now, we'd go outside and look, and if the whole everything was shaking, we would say this is an earthquake, and we know what that is, and we can describe that. But an angel shows up, and his appearance is so bright, we say it's lightning. Yeah. Because well. we're using something we know. We know the earthquake. We know lightning. We don't know what an angel looks like on an everyday basis. Um, what was his other one? Snow. Yeah, his clothing white. was white as snow. We know what snow looks like. His clothing was so white, the best we can say is it looked like snow. But I guess those could be simile-type speech right. in order to try to describe something that we don't normally come in contact with. But earthquake-wise... If the ground you're standing on is shaking, we call it an earthquake. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what I was going to get back at, at John 5, because like I said, no other gospel talks about this. So just kind of, kind of some uh, cryptic stuff in John 5. This is 524 through 29. We're both using paper Bibles today. That's <laughs> that's classic. <laughs> Let's see. I'm in John 3, fixing to read very wrong stuff. <laughs> okay, 5, 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has, etern- uh, has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. So the concept he's talking about right here is passing from death to life. Uh, we take those in kind of usual and usually we take that to be like end times judgment has taken been taken care of for us because right. uh, 522 says the father judges no one but he has given all judgment to the son 
So we think, oh, we're Christian. We believe in the Son. So the Father's not going to impose any judgment on us. The Son says, I have judgment in my hand. I'm the one that actually does it. And we're not going to get anything from Him either because we believe in Him. So we usually take that away, right? Right. But keep on reading. Uh, Truly, truly, I say to you, this is uh, 525, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. And we can take that in the same way, like it's the ultimate resurrection, that being the end time. But when you start considering that maybe at the moment Jesus dies, because we've also said this in the past at some point, probably in this past couple of podcasts, but when he, I think we did, I looked at my notes, when he dies and goes into the grave, mm-hmm. actually, this, I was looking at this morning, so it's got to be in what we're fixing to come across here. We've talked about Abraham's bosom before, yeah. that, you know, the Hades. Just the whole point that he didn't sit around and do nothing during the three days. He was busy doing something. So, keeping that concept in mind, truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. Possibly they pop back out of the graves because they're going to live, <laughs> right? For as the Father has uh, life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself, and he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, because so here it comes again. For an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear the voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. So this kind of ends up on the ultimate judgment again, the ultimate end times uh, scenario, but it I don't know why, it just struck me the, the word tombs in there. And I started finding myself studying and just searching out tombs. Hmm. But it really came here and connected to uh, an hour is coming when all who, who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Hmm. I don't know if he's pointing to this right here. I would guess surely he knows when he dies that, peop- that there's going to be an earthquake. Right. Probably knows exactly what's going to happen. I don't think we see that in Old Testament prophecy that there's an earthquake predicted, etc. I don't think we see the curtain being torn as a part of prophecy. Right. What did the dead rise before Jesus, or did they come with them? Well, let's look back at that because that's something I wanted to throw on your plate. Twenty-seven fifty-three. Matthew. Matthew. I'm sorry. Yeah, Matthew twenty-seven fifty-three. It's kind of an odd order to read there. Well, if my Piper Bible would go to the page I wanted to go to. <laughs> if we just had buttons, we could mash on these <laughs> computer my phone, my phone said beside me. It might be a little bit easier, but anyway. 27 what? 27, 51, 52, 53. Got to turn to one more page, and I don't turn too many. <laughs> I'm still reading it. All right. Behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So what... What happens before this? Just back up to 50 for a second. Jesus cried out with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. So literally, that's the moment of his physical death. Mm-hmm. After his physical death, behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs were opened. So we follow in the order here. He dies. Curtains torn. Earth shakes. Rocks are split. Tombs are opened. 
So going on from there, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection. So hmm. if, if the rocks were split at an earthquake that happened at the, at the moment of his physical death, they didn't come out of the tombs until after his resurrection, which is going to be three days later. Hmm. I don't guess there has to be anything wrong with the order there, but it's just odd to me that the tombs were opened and they didn't... It says in 52 they were raised, but they didn't come out until after his resurrection and they went into the holy city. <laughs> The whole the whole thing is strange anyway. <laughs> right, that is strange. Well, the reason why I mean I brought up like back in John five twenty five, uh, the truly truly I say to you, an hour is coming and it's now here when the devil hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear it will live. Um, two thoughts came to my mind. One was when he said it is finished. You know, the voice of the Son of God. You know, that being the declaration of, you know, the graves opening. Right. Hey, it's done. We're we're set free. We're yeah. We're rising. You know, we're getting out of this place and going to heaven. Yeah. Um, but it also made me think of that verse as even giving more evidence to um, Christ being more than just man. If if these guys are everyone other than Jesus, or including Jesus, all these other people are rising from the dead, then obviously it gives some kind of proof as to who He is. Yeah. So. Well, also, the, he, we look in the Ephesians uh, verses and we see him taking captivity captive and taking it to the Father, taking them to the Father. And we've discussed this. Uh, the The rapture basically is like, uh, we'll see, this is what I had written right before this, before in my notes before we talked about this right here. Uh, Pre-cross, this was the grave for all mankind, that being uh, Hades. Uh, post-crossed, the just or the righteous enter heaven directly when they walk through the death door. The unjust or the unrighteous, unsaved, still arrive in Hades today waiting for their trial. So like the rapture that we are waiting for in the church age, the righteous dead in Hades that had built up over 4,000 years, that being 4,000 from Adam to about to Jesus, roughly, they were awaiting this one-time event. So yeah, like you say, they're awaiting and it's like, we're finally getting out of here. Uh, and I've said before also, I don't see any reason that we was not written because it doesn't, it wouldn't be a, applicable to us. But just personal opinion, I think Jesus said here in the land of the living, it is done. Passed into the grave and goes into Hades and says it is done <laughs> to right. tell everybody. Yeah. But uh, yeah, anyway, this is just something that spurred on me because I kept following the word tomb. It just kept sticking out to me. You don't see tomb a lot in the New Testament. So I just wrote down this morning, tomb, 38 mentions of the word tomb in the New Testament, 35 verses. Um, three times are basically woes, Jesus' woe comments to the religious leaders. Hmm. You're like a whitewashed tomb. People walk over you like a tomb that's unmarked. They don't even know it. That kind of comment. So that's bad connotation three times. Then there's the guy, the demoniac at the Gadarenes, the four verses or the four mentions that go with Lazarus being raised from the dead. And then these two right here, Matthew 27, tombs were open. Uh, the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. They came out of the tombs. And then one in John 5, which is this comment right here that those who are in the tombs will hear and come out. So they got 
just picture this. You got three mentions that are woe comments to religious people. The rest of the mentions that are not Jesus are all about them being freed or taken out of the tomb. <laughs> the rest of the, all of the mentions are people who were friends with him or believed in him, and they're taken out of the tomb. So that's uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, ten, eleven times, I believe, I'm counting right. Eleven times that the word tomb is mentioned, that it's not referring to Jesus, out of 38 mentions, all the rest of them are talking about Jesus. Huh. So you really see it's kind of a picture that Jesus is uh, taking all the brunt of punishment for us. He's taking the grave. He's taking all of the death stuff for us. The majority of it is on his back. And in, in all four Gospels, the, the word tomb shows up, talking about him going in the tomb or rising from the tomb. Huh. And then you have all these other mentions of these people who were freed from the tomb, who have relation with him. They're tied to him somehow, except for the religious people, and they are tombs, or they are like tombs, empty tombs. I just thought it was kind of a, a odd word when it showed, when I noticed it, and I just started following it. But so, any other thing else to say about the unsun resurrection as being the splitting rocks? So the next one I had was the unjust resurrection. I got this out of basically out of a paper that I had already written recently. Um, these are things when we talk about, like, we're fixing to read out of Revelation 20, uh, the great white throne. And Revelation 14, anyone who worships the beast receives the mark on his head. We know all these things. Christians say these things all the time, but they actually put them in an orderly fashion to say, uh, what happens to a person who is born who is never saved? What happens to their soul and their body when they die? That kind of thing. Right. That was a question I got from somebody because it came up in their Sunday school class, and they asked me, Write a paper about this. So I basically wrote a paper about the just and the unjust. They're both born physically. They're both living a life. And the just guy, and we're calling him the just because he's going to get saved whether he knows it or not. At some point in his life, he meets somebody or he reads the Bible and gets saved or whatever and learns about Jesus. So he now he is born twice. The unjust guy, the unsaved guy, the unrighteous, he goes along through life and never hears about that or never accepts it when he does hear about it. They both at some point die. Uh They both go through physical death. So then in the paper, I follow the one who is just, uh, that basically in the end, and we'll get this in a moment because the the undeath resurrection kind of covers what happens to somebody who is saved, who dies physically, what happens to them later. The unjust... He's born physically, he lives a life, never gets saved, so he never gets born spiritually. He dies physically, what happens after that? So he's the unjust or the unsaved. So going from there, uh, John the Apostle writes Revelation, Revelation 20, 11 and 12. He says, I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From the presence, from his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. Verse 12, and I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were open. So, main point I want to make here is what happens to the unsaved dead? These dead are not dug up and propped up. <laughs> they're raised up physically, living and breathing again, and they're walking around. I wrote that in my notes first, dot, 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 correction. They're standing in line waiting their turn for judgment. They're not really free walking around, but they are breathing and living again their bodies are alive again 
their conscious minds, their souls, their spirit are back in their bodies for them to come in front of the white throne. To face a second death. To face a second death. Right. So, uh, early in Revelation, earlier in Revelation, the angel warns John and the whole world. This is 14, 9 through 11. If anyone worships the beast in his, in its image and receives a mark on his forehand or his head, his forehead or his hand, <laughs> uh, he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night. Uh, I don't know, just looking at following these two guys, they're both... They're both born physically. They both live. One is born spiritually. They both die. After that, the one who was never born spiritually dies spiritually. The one who is born spiritually, though he dies physically, is going to be raised, and that's what I call the undeath resurrection. But really, uh, it's just it's something I we've mentioned before, but. <clears throat> I've sat down with people on mission trips that people that we knocked on their door and it was somebody that did want to talk but they didn't want to make a move yet. And we go back and visit that same guy because we could tell he was on the edge. Yeah. And I remember explaining to, to a guy one time, uh, if you don't get saved during the life after you die, when the judgment happens, you'll be raised physically. Your body will be just like mine when I'm in heaven. It'll not be able to die. And you will fill the death yeah. for eternity. So, yeah, that's a good point because we, we both are born in this world. We both die a physical death in this world. One lives an eternal life and one dies an eternal death. Eternal death. So yeah. we're, we're, we're eternal beings and we, we both get bodies, but yeah. like you said, that's a good point. So to move on to the undeath resurrection, and this is... I'm calling this because it's kind of funny to me that you you live this whole life and go through all this stuff, and you if you hear this message and you believe it, um, what Jesus promises is to flat out undo the death, the physical death that did happen to you. It's kind of erased, like it doesn't really matter. I, I think we we talked this before too, just kind of just joking around. But we sit around in heaven one day, we meet somebody, and they were obviously they were a believer too. We talk about the story of what happened in our lives and what Jesus did in our lives is part of his story, history. Right. So, so how do you die? Oh, I had, I got, uh, I got cancer in, in my liver and it spread through my bones and it was painful and now I'm here. How'd you die? So I ran off the road and was decapitated by a huge tree that came through my windshield. Hmm. Oh. So you got your head back. <laughs> I mean, it's not a right. death will be not a big thing at all when we sit around uh, like the campfire with acoustic guitars <laughs> in heaven. <laughs> yeah. So the resurrection of the just, which is the one I'm referred to as the undeath resurrection, the resurrection slash rapture, which we can we can split those and look at them together. I think they are two different events that happen at the same time, but. Uh, Resurrection rapture are two separate scenarios. One, the just who have died. Two, the just who are still living at the time of Jesus' return. So one thing I do like is, and that's why I'm saying some of this is that Christians know all these things. We refer to the white throne judgment. We refer to resurrection. We refer to rapture. But in what order do they happen? People just don't seem to put a lot of the pieces together. 
That's one thing I was looking at recently. Where am I at in Luke? I think I'm Luke 20, right? Sounds right. Oh, whose son is the Christ? That's the one I've been working on for two or three days. Uh, Luke 20, 41 through 44. It's funny that you can go through and search out uh, Son of God, Christ. And you'll find this verse that says basically that the Pharisees acknowledge that the Christ will be the Son of God. <laughs> so why would they think it's odd that the Son of God would come as the Christ and knows most of the things they should know about the Christ and not and not be surprised right. that Jesus acted like he acted and did what he did and went through what he went through. Then you got the other things that say like uh, the Christ will be the son of David. So well, shouldn't we expect the Christ to be born in the line of Judah? And everybody says, yes, we do. Right. And directly in David's line. Yes, we expect that. But what I keep finding as I'm studying this little, this little section of Scripture out is all these pieces that everybody knows, and Jesus is kind of suggesting that, won't y'all just put them all together? <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, the guys kind of testified about me already, so if you would go look what they said. If you would, well, um, this is what we were talking about before we uh, hit the hit record button, right? Yeah. If people were just reading what they say they what they want to comment about. <laughs> if you want to comment about the Bible, actually read the Bible. If you want to comment about the Quran, read the Quran. That kind of thing. Yeah. So... But in saying all that, here's a, a place where there is a nice order of events. We've also discussed this before, so we're giving you a whole lot of the same junk again tonight. <laughs> but uh, this thing I like about Paul, he gives a straightforward teaching of order of events right here in First Thessalonians 4. So the next prophetic uh, calendar event is the resurrection even though we're talking about the resurrection and the rapture right here because we're considering all people who are saved in this. But First Thessalonians 4, 14, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. And him is, putting it back in context here, him is, is Jesus. Any comment? I feel like you're just letting me talk and talk. And no, talk. You're, you're good. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm listening. <laughs> I'll, I'll interject. Okay. So uh, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. So I just want to ask a couple of questions because these are the questions that when you read Scripture, right, it's like when you saw an event and an, uh, a policeman comes to you, a crime event, he says, who, what, where, when, and why? <laughs> a reporter yeah. comes to you when you saw something happen, he says, who, what, where, when, why, uh, and how? <laughs> they ask those things but if you if you'll ask those questions when you read scripture you end up coming across answers <laughs> because it's right there in front of you right are you serious yeah well I didn't know that I think some people and I do it too read scripture all the time and forget to ask any questions sometimes we just read straight by something yeah and later on somebody teaches or preaches this particular section of scripture and they bring this one word out it's like I've never noticed that word and I know I've read it. <laughs> so, uh, so ask yourself a couple of questions here. This, again, the scripture said, God will bring with him, that's being Jesus, those who have fallen asleep. So who is he bringing with him? Those who have fallen asleep. <laughs> right. This denies the false doctrine of soul sleep because their souls are not asleep in their bodies. If their souls were in their bodies, it would read Jesus will come, wake those up who have fallen asleep. But he's not coming to them. He is coming with them. Hmm. Then he raises them. So if anything is asleep, their bodies are asleep. 
But their souls are not asleep. And yeah. Soul sleep doctrine doesn't talk about bodies being asleep. <laughs> I read an article a while back in this. Uh, he wasn't a Christian, but he was curious that, you know, whenever when someone dies, he was he was a doctor, and but he just notices everyone breathes their last breath. It's, <sighs> yeah. And he thought, you know, I wonder if there is a soul inside a body, you know, mm-hmm. so... So what he wanted to do was when people were about to die, he wanted to do an experiment where he wanted them to um, lay on um, like a scale of sorts, like, a, like yeah. a hospital bed that's a scale. And he noticed that no matter how much the patient weighed, they lost pretty much the exact number of weight, which is like 15 grams. I've, I've heard that, yeah. And he was, you know, it made him ponder... Is there really something in there that that, that hardly weighs anything um, that leaves our body? Because, I mean, you know, they did studies with women and men, different weights. But still, when they died, they just lost just just a little bit. Mm-hmm. It was about equal, so. I've heard that. I've wondered how can you measure that. I don't know. You really have to have, you almost have to have an agreement from a patient. Can I do this experiment? With your big, huge life event called death. <laughs> You're about to die, so I got need, a question for I you. I need some information, please. <laughs> just need to weigh you one last time. <laughs> Can I get you to get up and get on this bed over here? <laughs> Can you lie and say I weighed 100 pounds, please? <laughs> okay, you're 100 pounds minus 15 grams now. <laughs> so uh, he's not coming to them, he's coming with them. Then he raises them. Uh We'll get to the next obvious question in a moment. First Thessalonians four sixteen. This is in the same session. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So we got dead in Christ. What does that mean? They were the just who were alive and died at some point before this major event of the return of Christ happens. Right. So their bodies are in the ground. Just from what we're getting right here, he's bringing some part of them with him. Next obvious question to me that we should be asking is, what is he raising? I thought it said he was bringing them with him. He raises their bodies. So he brings their bodies uh, he's, excuse me. He brings with him their souls slash spirits. Where have they been? We're just talking about order of events again. What happens to the person who is saved who dies? Their body is in the ground. That's what he's raising. Their souls or their spirits have been with him in heaven. So again, it's not something I really care about. Even it's such a small percentage of people I've heard talk about soul sleep. But this is just a good section right here that gives you an order of events, and while it's giving you an order of events, it just basically debunks debunks and debates away this stupid doctrine that somebody (laughs) decided to come up with. Um, He raises their bodies. Where have they been? In the graveyard. This is the resurrection of the just, the resurrection of the living. So, only difference, I guess this is the only, yeah, this is the only thing that's really left out of this whole subject matter is the rapture of the just. So, uh, and the question I write next is, what's next? (laughs) 
<laughs> That's a good question to ask. That's a good question to ask, David. Yeah. <laughs> good job. <laughs> so, uh, though we could throw the resurrection and the rapture in the same file, an easy distinction might be to say that the dead just are resurrected. The living just are, resurre- are raptured. So, the dead people who were, they're justified. They're forgiven. They're resurrected. The living people who are believing right now as they're living their life when the, the event happens of the second coming, they are raptured instead of having to die and then be resurrected. Or resurrected. Uh, back in Thessalonians again, First Thessalonians four, fifteen. 15. Uh, For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. So again, the dead in Christ will rise first. Uh, 17, I'm skipping on ahead what we just now read a moment ago. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. I've wondered like, how much time is there between the resurrection of the dead and the rapture of the living. It really seems to make like there's a difference but then again, I've also, uh, what is it, Second or First Corinthians 15 mm-hmm. gives us a twinkle of an eye. Yeah. And how fast is that again? Fast. <laughs> Super fast. <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard plenty of preachers give uh, the, oh, actually, I've got it right here. In my, that's my next thing I was going to look at is that, that particular set of verses. I have heard preachers say, the twinkle of an eye is how fast, how fast a glint of light will reflect off the image or the, the surface of the eye. Can you measure that? I mean, if the source of the light is the sun, what if you have something in your eye and you're like, you know, <laughs> your, your blink is a little bit longer than a normal blink? But what's the average blinking speed? Well, we're not talking about blinking; we're talking about twinkling. Oh well, yeah, there you go. This is a reflection of a a, yeah. a photon off your surface. I don't know why I thought blinking, but it sounded good. Yeah, and the blink of an eye, twinkle of an eye, <laughs> same thing. The twink of a blinkling. Uh, so. Next questions I would ask is, why are those who are still living changed in this way? When are they changed in this way, and who will do it? 1 Corinthians 15, this is 50 50 through 52. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So that's why they're changed that way. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery, we shall not all sleep... Which, just to look back at it for a second, the, the terminology that's used in 1 Thessalonians 4.14, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. So, that being a believer, often throughout the New Testament, the believers who die are referred to as sleeping, not dying. Uh, so, Paul says right here, 1 Corinthians 15.51, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. 52, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed so the trumpet is lined up there with that uh, 1 Thessalonians part where was it mm. looking at what okay 4.16 the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the cry of command with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead will in Christ will rise first. So you have Paul bringing back in the uh, 
the dead being raised by the trumpet sound right here again at the end of 1 Corinthians 15. Hmm. <clears throat> Just kind of a neat thing. I don't know if it's right. Is this not one of the main trumpets of Revelation? So if it is by chance. I think so. Of course, we also have to throw out chronology again in Revelation. <laughs> yeah. Do we do we make it fit chronology or do we throw that out the door and consider that that will drive you nuts trying to make <laughs> that book fit chronology? <laughs> I think that one's a lot back and forth. Yeah. I've got something I need to show you one time. It's uh, basically I just went, I made like a, a document with three columns and just put out to one side uh, first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth, and seventh. And on the first column is the like the bowls, ones are the seals, then the trumpets, then the bowls. But if you look at all of them, basically it's like a prequel idea where you go back and give more direction and more details, but in the very last one or two of each, they're all the same. Huh. huh. Like they layer on top of one another, not, not like they're successive. Huh. So. Interesting. This one, I looked at that a couple of years ago and was writing up some notes out and trying to make things make sense when we were doing a home Bible study on Revelation. That's when I started saying, uh, chronology is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> crazy idea to think you could do that. Well, it's hard sometimes <clears throat> the way the Bible's written because. You know, it's not like a proper letter, or, so to speak. It's, you know, these people are seeing things and going back and forth, and they're yeah. writing. So yeah. it's hard sometimes to fit where things go. I'm trying to put Jeremiah in chronology. And that's, a, that's, that's another point is, you know, we categorize things by the author um, or the purpose of their writing. And, and you know, this prophet, this prophet, part of their prophecy entering their book fits here in Chronicles or Kings or Samuel right. so it's kind of difficult sometimes to place things where they need to sit. and in context yeah. it's really the best shot we got yeah. when you look at Kings names and all that but <clears throat> what do you think well <laughs> I went a different route <laughs> on the resurrection but you got anything else Nothing else important. Okay. <laughs> I was really just going to kind of highlight something that I saw that I never really thought about, and that's um, John chapter 20, as we talked about, really dealing with the whole resurrection. Um, we'll start at verse, I'm just going to read verses four through six. Um, both of them were running together, meaning Peter and John, um, but the other disciple, John, uh, supposedly, that's what it's thought out to be but um, the other disciple outran Peter and reached it to him first and stooping in to look in he saw the land clothes lying there but he did not go in then Simon Peter came following him and went in the tomb he saw the land cloths lying there uh, verse 7 and the face cloth which had been on Jesus head not lying with the land cloths but folded up in a place of itself um, the two words in, in Greek saw um, where it says John saw is really just looking like normal hey I see the fan or whatever yeah. but when it's talking about Peter when it says Peter saw um, it's a different word and it's where we get the word theorize in English and it means to observe something intently um, so in other words Peter's not just 
seeing with his eyes, but he's rationalizing what he's seeing. So mm. um, there's a different uh, thought pattern here. So even here, you know, it's easy for people to say, well, you believe in God because it's a crutch or it seems like a fairy tale. Uh, everyone gets to heaven, no pain, blah, blah, blah. But here you have the first or one of the first few disciples, Peter, um, trying to reason and rationalize what he's actually seeing for himself. So he's thinking, yeah. he's actually thinking he's not um, attaching himself to the Jesus that he followed based on his emotions. So yeah. um, I think that's an important thing that, uh, that comes out about the resurrection is we're not following him just based on emotions or as a crutch, but um, there's people out there um, who have observed and studied and searched out truth uh, and came to that same conclusion that Peter did. Obviously, he and the other disciples saw him, yeah, you know, with their own eyes. But so um, again, we we talked about the women last week, and then I came across this, which I thought was interesting. It's a second century pagan philosopher, Celsus. Um, he wrote uh, the first intelligent attack on Christianity, and here's what he said. How can anyone expect rational men to listen to this testimony from a hysterical female? I'm talking about Mary Magdalene. <laughs> and he talked about, you know, and he had some articles about, you know, women because of uh, back then, you know, uh, ladies were very low on the status poll. And we talked about that last week, how... Yeah. Um, women being the first witnesses of Jesus is a good strong point of uh, the testimony of, of the resurrection and I, I think we said it last week too is you know you can uh, try to disprove everything in the Bible or Christianity etc but all you have to do is disprove the resurrection and yeah and everything else falls um, so it hin- the Christianity hinges on the resurrection and it's funny that the disciples went to proclaim, proclaim in Jerusalem first, and all they had to do was produce a body, and no one could. So, uh, mm-hmm. so the resurrection, you know, it doesn't just offer new life, but it answers justice, which we've talked about uh, several times. That's kind of how we've talked this out too, though. Is talking about justice and there being a need yeah. to take care of an issue, which is the issue standing between us and. And God, yeah. So the resurrection doesn't just offer life. You know, people talk about love. People talk about hope. People talk about um, justice. Um, the resurrection offers all those things, and it's the only thing that can offer, can assure of all that. Well, so. these days, what you know, you and I go on to see movies. Often, we see there being a constant striving for eternal life. People are trying to do that all the time. Yeah. And God's already offered it. They reject that and go try to figure out how to download their consciousness into a computer. <laughs> right? <laughs> that's right. the normal thing that's going on right now in, in a lot of plots. Yeah, that's a good point. So, I hate to sidetrack on a movie concept, but no, you saw Radio, uh, Ready Player One, right? Mm-hmm. At the very end, when he meets the creator of the Oasis, mm-hmm. who has since died, and that's why he is playing the contest that was spurred by his death right and he asked him if he he said you're not an avatar he said no he said did you actually die he said yes he said what are you and he gave him a blank stare and then said something else and didn't answer it and I'm thinking 
this is another shot at the uh, downloading yourself, your consciousness into a world. All right. That's what I kind of thought. They suggested hmm. that. But I didn't say that. I just. Yeah, there's you. a lot of interesting things in that movie. Yeah, there's but. a lot of things I told Hayson. Said I want to re. I wish I could have this at home to rewind it and look at some small detail that just passed by, some numbers or a word that was written or something. Right. But anyway, yeah. sorry to. No, no, you're good. <laughs> uh, I think that's. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh... I think we're good. <laughs> I think we said what we needed to say. <laughs> Ba-bam. <laughs> bam, bam. No, interesting stuff to me, but uh, just, I didn't want, like, a, I mentioned to Mark today before, when we were talking when I was still at work what we are going to kind of cover tonight and just wanted to kind of keep a concise short one because we're talking about these different things in the past two con- uh, podcasts. Basically, Jesus' trial and man putting God on trial. We talked about some of the witnesses and some of the people who are involved around the whole situation. This right here is just discussing different resurrections, but we're right. working towards the birth of the church, which uh, next week it will be Pentecost. That's the birthday of the church. And our next podcast will basically be Ecclesiology 101, just looking at how the church was already planned by God from the beginning. It is the main deal that God was trying to shoot for. Thanks for listening to the Two Spies podcast. If you would like to join in on the conversation, go to numa.life and leave a comment. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Music, or whatever app you're listening on. For additional articles on faith and life, visit numa.life.